Hello, Regina Apostolic Church family and those who've gathered with us for our online service. Welcome back. We're so thankful that you're here. Can you believe that it's already the Thanksgiving weekend? My life really feels like it's on fast forward. It seems like just yesterday that we had to cancel our in-person Easter services because of COVID. And now here we are all of a sudden, six months later. Thankfully, I can look back over these months and see many beautiful things that God has orchestrated in my life. And I hope and I pray that you can as well. Obviously, we're still praying for the end of the pandemic, but I can see so many blessings to be thankful for, even in the midst of uncertainty. I should also mention, we're also especially praying for those of you who are snowbirds. At this point, you're usually getting packed up to move south for the winter. I am so sorry that you're going to be stuck here with us in Saskatchewan for a little while longer because COVID has the border closed. Some pictures actually popped up on my social media feeds recently to remind me of what I was doing a year ago. Last October, Chantelle and I were driving down the Pacific Coast Highway in California, enjoying some beautiful weather. So I feel a tiny twinge of what I'm sure you're going through. But if we stick together, I'm really sure we're going to make it through together. Our sermon series this fall has been focused on the life of Jesus, specifically zeroing in on having the heart of Jesus. As we increasingly have his heart, we will lead more people to Jesus. We know from the example of the Bible, Jesus is so attractive. The words he speaks are spirit and they are life. He is the hope of the nations. And our job is simply to represent him accurately on the earth. We want to lead people to him and not mistakenly push people away from him because of a misaligned heart. It's why it's so critical to regularly do a heart check and compare it to the heart of Jesus. This sermon series is somewhat like a a heart rate monitor. Maybe our hearts need a, a zap from a spiritual defibrillator to make sure it's beating in rhythm with Jesus. And today, we'll be focusing on the pervasive thankfulness that resided in the heart of Jesus. Over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus demonstrated that a thankful heart was a key that unlocked miraculous provision. It went beyond just a a warm feeling or a kind way to behave. Thankfulness regularly preceded answers to his prayers, and his lifestyle was characterized by giving thanks. Thankfulness isn't only reserved for answered prayers. Thankfulness is a powerful weapon that helps usher in the answer. The simple act of offering thanks from a sincere heart is a key to unlock the resources of heaven. If we withhold thankfulness until we see a desired outcome, then we're not really following the pattern of Jesus. He carried thankfulness into each circumstance. His life was a model for the verse from Psalm 118 and verse 24. It says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Notice it doesn't say, I'll see how the day goes, and if it works out, or if I get my own way, then I'll rejoice and be thankful. No, we're meant to position our hearts in thankfulness and then carry it into every part of our day, regardless of the current state of our lives. Even if it feels like every good thing in our lives is gone, we can still enter our days with thanksgiving for what Jesus did for us on the cross. He made a way for eternal life with him. Then from that position, we can approach every circumstance full of thanks. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, says, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Again, notice it doesn't say to be thankful for all circumstances. It's in all circumstances. And as we're about to see, Jesus encountered some unpleasant circumstances, some of which made him, as we're about to read, angry. But he utilized thankfulness as a part of changing those situations. We'll begin today in John chapter 11. It's the famous story of Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. Mary and Martha, his sisters, had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And by the time Jesus and his disciples got to Bethany, Lazarus was already dead. I know our topic is a thankful heart, but it just struck me, and I hope it'll strike you in the same way, how Jesus felt as he arrived at the tomb of the dead man. It says, beginning in verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. You know, I was thinking maybe we need to add on another week into our sermon series. Having the heart of Jesus, deep anger. Listen, you know, we obviously still live in a fallen world, and the negative effects of sin are all around us. When you see those negative effects on people, you have every right to be angry. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry at sin. Be angry at the devil. But be thankful that Jesus has overcome it all. Then in verse 38 it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister said, she protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here, so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Notice the order of events here. First thankfulness, then breakthrough. I think our natural inclination would have been to wait until after the dead man came out of the tomb before saying, Father, thank you for hearing me. It seems just a little bit risky to say it in advance, but we get a window here into the heart and mind of Jesus. Thankfulness preceded the miracle. Jesus was confident in his position with the Father. As a result, he was bold in these sorts of moments. The power of God flowed through him into this impossible situation, and thankfulness played a part in seeing the desired breakthrough. While the onlookers only saw death, Jesus saw life. He gave thanks in advance of this miraculous outcome because of an absolute assurance in his heart 
of the goodness of God and his willingness to set the captives free. There is miraculous power resident in a thankful heart. If we want the results of Jesus, it requires following the methods of Jesus. And those methods flowed from a heart rightly aligned with the heart of God the Father, confidently rooted with thankfulness. Jesus not only modeled how he would set the captives free, but also how we would be stewards of kingdom resources to bring solutions in the very same way. In Mark chapter 6, we see a beautiful moment of Jesus empowering his disciples. It shows the fruit that we can bear as we abide in him. And again, giving thanks is in the core of the breakthrough. Beginning in verse 34, it says, When Jesus landed, it makes me think of being on a plane. We know Jesus was not on a plane, but nevertheless. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Notice again where the giving of thanks happened in the progression of the miraculous food multiplication. Jesus didn't give thanks after the food was multiplied. He gave thanks while he was still just holding these meager portions. Where the disciples could only see lack, Jesus saw abundance, more than enough. You can tell your level of faith and trust by your level of thankfulness before your prayer is answered. We've often reduced our prayer for food down to thanking God after there's food on the plate to eat. In this case, though, Jesus is thankful when the plate is essentially empty. Imagine that scenario in your own home. There's no food in the house, but you sit down around the table and give thanks to God for provision. That's essentially what happened here in this scenario. After that thanksgiving was vocalized, Jesus then brought the disciples into this unfolding miracle. He broke the provision into pieces and handed those scraps of food to the disciples. The miracle didn't just happen through the hands of Jesus. He brought the disciples in to the equation. The food was multiplied as it was distributed. When Jesus tells you to do something impossible, be thankful. He will provide the resources necessary to accomplish it. When he said to the disciples, you give them something to eat, it wasn't to be cruel. It was an invitation for them to change their perspective. Don't focus on what isn't there. Let thankfulness 
open your eyes to what will be there. Back to that example I used earlier about praying for your meal when you have no food in the house. I actually know of a situation where that happened. A faithful Christian family was facing a dire lack of money in a particular season of their life. They sat around their table and they confessed their faith in God to provide. And as best as I can tell, they were able to maintain a thankful heart in the midst of all of this lack. After they prayed, suddenly there was a a knock at the door. Somebody came and brought a meal to them that they had prepared throughout the day. God had prompted that family, you know, doing the knocking. He'd prompted them to prepare a meal that day and deliver it, not even being aware of the deep need that was there with that family. I hope you can see yourself in both sides of that equation. There are dire moments of need in our lives, and it's critical to maintain our thankfulness in the midst of those circumstances. It's equally important to stay thankful and generous when we're the ones doing the cooking and the knocking. Genuine thankfulness flows from an awareness of what God has done for us, which provides faith for what God will do for us. The starting point for our thankfulness can always be the cross of Christ. And then as we take moments of reflection and count our blessings, God's faithfulness and his generosity is evident in so many ways. Can you think back about times in your life where you just know that God provided? The last time I I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, I told the story about asking Jesus into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior when I was a young boy. I wish I could tell you that every day after that, I always lived a model Christian life. But that's not actually the case. There were times where I felt really close to the Lord and times where I just felt very distant from him. Our daughter, Hannah, she actually just turned 21 uh, in June. And in the year that she was born, it was a really tumultuous time in my life. Chantal and I were not in the greatest spot in our marriage. And truthfully, I was trying to figure out plans to make radical, you know, changes in my life, including, you know, pondering the notion of exiting our marriage. Until one night, in a September evening, I had an encounter with the Lord. I can't really do it justice with words, but it was much like the story of the prodigal son. The Bible says that he came to himself. It was almost like he just snapped out of it and looked around and said, you know, what am I doing in this pig pen? And he immediately traveled back to his father's house. In my case, I I went home that night and I said to Chantel, I am so sorry. I'm, I'm done running from God and I asked her to forgive me for just so many things. Pastor Dave said last week, when we have a moment with God like that, you can be sure that someone or some people have been praying for you. That was certainly the case with me. Chantel had been praying along with a host of other people. You know, to this day, I can still close my eyes and I can think about that moment and I can sense God's rescuing presence that was available that night. I am so thankful for his saving grace not just for saving me so that I can live for eternity in heaven, but I'm thankful for him rescuing me from self-inflicted pain on this earth. In the same way that Jesus broke bread to feed the 5,000, he allowed his body to be broken for our freedom. At the Last Supper, he foreshadowed with thanksgiving what would happen on the cross. 
It says, then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks for it. Then he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the full knowledge of the agony to come, Jesus retained his thankfulness. Where the disciples only saw these meager provisions around that last supper table, Jesus saw the redemption of all mankind. Jesus, it's interesting to think about, again, the progression of this story. He could have waited until after the resurrection to institute the ordination, the ordinance of communion, his plan of remembrance. But there was something powerful in demonstrating thankfulness in advance. As Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't withhold thanksgiving, thinking that you'll give it once the peace arrives. In your prayers, thank him for peace in the middle of your anxiety, and God will provide. You know, as we close today, I really want to pray specifically into those things that are mountains in the way of your progress in life. Things that seem insurmountable, those impossible things that don't seem to be moving. Can I encourage you to find a place of thanksgiving, a place of thankfulness for all that God has done in your life and allow that to be a key that will unlock that breakthrough in the next season. So let's just pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for giving us from your word these insights into how your kingdom operates. As it says, we will enter through and into your gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. And so God, I just pray that in that same way that we can see that pervasive thankfulness that was in the heart of Jesus, God, I pray that this would be a season where we could tap into that in our lives as well. But Lord, where we haven't been counting our blessings, where we've been thankless, Lord, I pray that you would just remind us of all of the miraculous, wonderful, beautiful things that we have in our lives to be thankful for. And God, let that be something then that we know will take us, it will propel us, God, um, to face those things, Jesus, where we still need breakthrough. So I just pray just a blessing on all of these, your people, Lord God. And Lord, for those who maybe haven't taken that first step to know you, Lord, let this be that moment where they say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin, and they would accept that free gift of salvation. I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.